Fucking, uh... Anyway, so I am encouraged, and I hope you are. We're going to talk about... Uh, we're going to talk about Jeremiah 38 today. And uh, let me get all my microphones where I think they need to be. But, uh, so we have been in Jeremiah since January of 2020, so a little over a year now. And uh, so we're kind of on the downhill side as far as the number of chapters. We're trying to do a chapter a week. But um, chapter 39, I think, really is what we've been working up to. So if if you can, uh, if we were in... uh, Chapter 1 in 20, 20 of January. Uh, uh, I think chapter 39 is kind of the pinnacle. And then, uh, so we, we, we are right near the pinnacle. Next, next week, Lord willing. And, and what, the reason I put this like this is chapter 39 is the destruction of Israel or Jerusalem. I I guess I I should probably have it inverted. It's really the low point, but it's kind of the pinnacle of this book. It's what we've been working up toward. There's been all these prophecies, the the, uh, the false shepherds, the false priests, the false pastors. They have brought the nation to ruin. The people are in idolatry. They uh, won't repent. They won't turn to God, and so He is going to. He loves them. He's going to give them, put them in captivity. And uh, I don't, some of you I know have heard of this book. It's called "Explore the Book" by uh, J. Sidlow Baxter, and uh, our disciples, our disciplers turned us on to this book. Uh, I believe he's an Australian man. And uh, some type of seminary teacher, and it's kind of humbling for me to. So, so basically, this book is an overview of every book of the Bible. That's what this book is. It's an overview of each book of the Bible, and there's about 30 pages dedicated to Jeremiah in it. And uh, so, it, it humbles me to read it because I, you know, uh, I like to teach the Bible, but when I read this, I I feel like I'm a poor teacher. I'm like. Oh man, how'd this guy see all that, you know? But uh, here's a saying I believe is true, and I forget who said it, but you can always see further by standing on another man's shoulders. In other words, hopefully you can see more about the Bible from listening to me, and uh, hopefully I can communicate more of the Bible by listening to men of God uh, like this. But uh, so he, he, I mean, there's some quotes and different things about Jeremiah. I won't read a lot of this to you, but he he calls this book Jeremiah, uh, Judas, Judas, not Judas like Judas is scary, but the tribe of Judas uh, midnight hour. This is their midnight hour. This is a dark time for the nation of Israel. And he he says one thing uh, here about Jeremiah I wanted to read to you. Um, Because Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. 
And if you think about this, and, and I, I think about this a little bit in our own country when I take time to think about it, but Jeremiah has such a relationship with God and he wants to see God's will fulfilled in his life and in the life of his country and yet he, he loves his country he's sympathetic with his country and uh, so he, here's what he says it says uh, Jeremiah this is uh, his suffering sympathy his sorest inward trial was the tearing of his heart between two rival sympathies. On the one hand, a sympathy with God, such few men have entered into, and on the other hand, a grieving, yearning, loving sympathy for his fellow countrymen, which made him suffer with them. And so uh, he, he's he's torn. He he's sympathetic with God. He loves God. He and yet he loves his people, and and uh, they're they're not doing right. <clears throat> and it was kind of interesting. Jeremiah comes right after Isaiah, <clears throat> and I think Isaiah spoke to even some of the northern tribe, but. Isaiah prophesied for 60 years, over 60, I think 62 years, and Jeremiah prophesied for like 41 years. So these two men, you know, they had over 100 years prophecy between them. And uh, anyway, so a lot of Jeremiah's prophecies are in this book. And uh, he, he lit, I think. Uh, if I do, if I ever would teach this book again, I would probably give one introduction like I did, and another one I would focus on some other, some central th- thoughts. But let me read uh, two more paragraphs before we get into Jeremiah 38. Uh, Jay Sidlow Baxter here says the central thought of the book may be expressed by bringing together the two recurrent expressions. These are two expressions in the book of Jeremiah, and we've all we've all. It's hard to kind of pick these out unless you see things like this. But one is God says, "I will punish," and another He says, "I will restore." He He's going to punish them for their uh, sins of idolatry and disobedience, and He's going to restore them not only from Babylon back to. Uh, J- uh, Israel, but also we know uh, kind of a twofold prophecy in the in the tribulation period to come. Okay, so he says these uh, two recurrent expressions: "I will punish" and "I will restore." While there is a present failure through the sin of man, there will be a final triumph through the love of God. There is wrath to the full, but there is joy to the end. Jeremiah's message is crystallized in chapter 26, verse 12 and 13, and, and he, he's got the verse in here. But yeah, Jim's going there. Let's all go there. Jeremiah 26, verse 12 and 13. Uh, let me grab my Bible. Uh, why don't you go ahead and read it, Jim? Right. Then spake Jeremiah unto all the princes and to all the people, saying... The Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and against this city all the words that ye have heard. Therefore now amend your ways and your doings and obey the voice of the Lord your God and the evil that he hath pronounced against you. 
Oh, no, I'm sorry, I skipped the line. Uh, Obey the voice of the Lord your God, and the Lord will repent him of the evil that he hath pronounced against you. So that that is kind of a, a central real, but he he's saying God sent me to this house of Judah, and He wants you to amend your ways, obey the verse, voice of the Lord, and if you do, God will repent him of the evil that He pronounced against you. And then uh, J. Sidlow Baxter says the key to the whole book is found in chapters thirty and thirty six or no 31 and then he says especially in chapter 30 verse 15 through 18 and so let's go to 30 verses 15 through 18 and he he uh, doesn't quote all those but I'll uh, read those chapter 30 verses 15 through 18 he says why criest thou for thine affliction thy sorrow is incurable for the multitude of thine iniquity because thy sins were increased I have done these things unto thee therefore all they that devour thee shall be devoured and all thine adversaries every one of them shall go into captivity and they that spoil thee shall be spoiled and all that prey upon thee will I give for a prey for I will restore health unto thee, and I will heal thee of thy wounds, saith the Lord, because they called thee an outcast, saying, This is Zion, whom no man seeketh after. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring again the captivity of Jacob's tents, and have mercy on his dwelling places, and the city shall be builded upon her own heap, and the palace shall remain after the manner thereof. <clears throat> and so, uh, Brother Baxter here, he says, he, he points out these phrases, Because thy sins are become immense, I have done these things unto thee. So that's why God's allowing it. Yet all that devour thee shall be devoured, for I will restore health unto thee, and I will heal thee of thy wounds, saith the Lord. And so I, I want to read a little more of this uh, myself. I haven't read all 30 pages, but uh, so I may bring back a little more at another time. But anyway, that that's where we're at. We're almost near the destruction chapter. That'll be next week. So I encourage you maybe this week to, to read that <clears throat> along with me, and, and we'll discuss it. But... Um, <clears throat> Chuck, I did not give the handout. Chuck, would you mind giving these handouts to people? <clears throat> so, like, you know, that verse is so powerful. I had that highlight. It just like says to me, like, I'll give one to Jim. God cares so much, you know, that we have consequences, you know. Yeah. You know, he, you know, but he will restore us into hell. <clears throat> he's, you know, he, he don't make Right, yeah. I mean, like with your children, you care enough to punish them. You, you love them. You have to. Yeah, you want to. You don't want to. That you want to do it in a loving way, but yet it still needs done. Right, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it hurt the Lord to see what he had builded uh, to be destroyed and. But yeah, no good good thoughts, Sherry. 
So uh, let, let's jump over to chapter 38 now. And let's... Uh, if somebody could read these first three verses, they kind of highlight things that we've seen before. Let's, let's read them again. You got a pat? Then Shephatiah, the son of Matan, and Gedaliah, the son of Asher, and Jukal, the son of Shelemiah, and Asher, the son of Malchiah, heard the words that Jeremiah had spoken unto all the people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, He that remaineth in this city shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence. But he that goeth forth to the Chaldeans shall live, for he shall have his life for a prey, and shall live. Thus saith the Lord, This city shall surely be given to the king of the king of which shall take it. Yeah, yeah. So that is what we've said many times. And so they uh, bring Jeremiah to say this again. And so what happens in verse 4? Uh, Pat, if you'll read that as well. Because because Jeremiah said these things, they're going to throw him into prison, like deliver him to death. Therefore the princes said unto thee, beseech thee, let this man be put to death. For thus he weakeneth the hands of the men of war that remaineth in this city, and the hands of all the people, and speaking such words unto them. For this man is not the welfare of this people. Now that that saying there that he weakeneth the hands of the people. I put on your handout uh, Judas princes. The, the, these princes. So th- this is the leadership. So so what goes in your blank is the word princes. <clears throat> and uh, you know the what he says about weakening their hands. I think that's probably a true statement. I mean, if the guys on the wall hear that you know Babylon's going to overtake us, it, it's kind of like, well, why are we fighting then? But uh, the second thing he says at the end of verse 4, For this man seeketh not the welfare of this people, but the hurt. Is that a true statement? No. No, it's not, is it? They give up and they can live. Right. He actually has their welfare in mind. So I put the word false there. If you want to put the word false in your blank. Okay. Yeah, the word princes, that's their leadership, uh, so they request his death. Um... Oh, I'm sorry. Where do we put false? I'm sorry. I That's the second blank. So, hey. Morning. Hey, Chuck, can you give her a handout? 
Oh, really? All right. Now, uh, so what happens here is Zedekiah, he has Jeremiah handed over the people for their judgment. And and somebody read verse 6, if they would. Uh, Pam uh, Anderson, would you read that? Verse 6 for us. Then took they Jeremiah and cast them into the dungeon of whatever, and the son of that was in, in the I don't I don't I never had phonics. I don't sound good. He's got muscle drill. That was in the court of the prison, and they let down Jeremiah with cords, and in the dungeon there was no water. The mire. But mire, so Jeremiah sunk into the mire. You know, I've seen a picture of these prisons where there's nothing but yeah. a cave with a hole at the top. Yeah, like a manhole. That's where Paul was at. He was in one of those. Yeah. But there was no door or prison bars. There was just a hole at the top. Yeah. So I, I just looked up. Uh, I thought this was interesting. Before you look at the overhead, if you look at your handout again, I put uh, this word dungeon is in Jeremiah chapter 38 seven times. And in the Hebrew, that word is the exact same Hebrew word that's translated pit in Psalm 40 and verse 2. And that's, that's the teaching point I gave you there. I gave you the verse, He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, or like a dungeon, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And so, uh, what Pam read, it says that uh, there was no water there, but Jeremiah sunk down in the mire. And you you can all maybe imagine what it's like not to be able to get your footing and just be in kind of almost a quicksand. And, you know, we don't know if this is like human dung or what this, but it's some type of a, a pit, a dungeon. Like a sister. Yeah. Yeah. It only holds water. Okay. But it, the water's been taken out. Okay. And, uh,. Anyway, but it it said in there at the beginning of verse four, they they are seeking his death. So probably if Jeremiah stayed here, he would die. That's kind of the point. And uh, so now, if somebody would uh, maybe uh, Jim or Pam, Pam, Pam Anderson, maybe you haven't read or Jackson. Would you read 7 through 9 for us? This is a cool verse. Uh, yeah, 7 through 9 of Jeremiah 38. Now when Ebed Malak, the Ethiopian, one of the eunuchs which was from the king's house, heard that they had put Jeremiah in the dungeon, the king then sitting in the gate of Benjamin, now Ebedmelech went forth out of the king's house and spake to the king, saying, My lord the king, these men have done evil in all that they have done to Jeremiah the prophet, whom they have cast into the dungeon. 
And he is like to die for hunger in the place where he is, for there is no more bread in the city. Thank you. Well, the thing I thought was cool here, this uh, Ebed guy, his name means servant of the king. And so, so I titled this this section, A Servant of a King Rescues the Servant of the King. So it's like this, this Ethiopian servant is rescuing the servant of the Lord. And he's one of the uh, king's eunuchs. And uh, the king allows it. He he says, you know, these men have done evil. They've cast him into the dungeon. He's going to die of hunger in the place that he is. And so he is able to uh, rescue. And we'll see that here in just a minute. But uh, if you look, if you want to look at the overhead here now, I don't know if you can see that very good. I thought I'd just go through some, these are uh, kind of men's portrayal of what it might have been like uh, Pat hit, hit the lights there maybe people can see or maybe Facebook can see a little better even but uh, if I just scroll through some of these I like some of these old like you're saying uh, Pam it, it's pretty bleak I mean now that one, that one kind of looks like there's water there, but the Bible says that there's not water. Yeah. I mean, no food, no bathroom. Yeah, it looks like he's lowering down some old rags there. I'll stop at the one that I thought was really good that I liked. That's more of a children's thing, maybe. But now there, uh, this black man is the Ethiopian, so that's where the king's allowing him to go rescue. Let's see. There's there's one more that I was. There's one more that I liked. I'm not quite seeing it. I think I typed a little different search when I searched it at home. You know what? That that may have been it right there. It was one of these that I... Hmm. I think that's them casting him in there. But then there's another one with him with them rescuing him. Let me see here. Hmm. I'm not sure how to get back to where I was. Maybe refresh or something. Can you escape or take it back? That might do it. Huh. Now let me just get out of it and. Oh, there it was. There's all of them, but. 
Maybe it was that one. Yeah, now that's where I think they're rescuing him, so that's the one I kind of liked. Because this uh, black Ethiopian on the left there looks like he's instructing them to pull him up out of there. They got 30 men there. And you can, I don't know, you can kind of imagine. Jeremiah's not going to be much help himself. You don't know how many days he was in there. And, uh, you know, the 30 guys that went to help him, uh, they're probably not too strong themselves. So it, yeah. it's the weak helping the weak. So anyway, he was in some kind of dungeon there. And I just thought that uh, some of these images were kind of good, good graphic representations of that. So... Anyway, let's go ahead and turn the light on, and I'll just leave that up there if you want to look at it and think about it a little bit more. And so that's what happens in verse 10. If you look at verse 10 in our text, chapter 38, Then the king commanded uh, Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, the Ethiopian, saying, Take from thence thirty men with thee, and take up Jeremiah the prophet out of the dungeon before he die. So that's, you know, the king allowed the princes to judge him, but then, kind of on second thought, this this Ethiopian man uh, petitions the king, and the king allows his rescue. And so in verse 11, so Ebed-Melech took the men with him and went into the house of the king under the treasury and took thence old cast clouts and rotten rags and old rotten rags and let them down by cords into the dungeon to Jeremiah and Ebedmelech the Ethiopian said unto Jeremiah put now these old cast clouts and rotten rags under thy armholes under the cords and Jeremiah did so and they drew up Jeremiah with cords and took him up out of the dungeon and Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison so he he got to come out of the dungeon and just uh, continue uh, kind of in the court of the prison there and my teaching point here Uh, I put help comes from unexpected people or places and I don't know if anybody can think of a story in your own life but uh, I can say that I'm, I'm oftentimes surprised how the Lord blesses me through unexpected people and uh, I've actually told people this that you know, I just really didn't expect that that you would make it type of thing. <laughs> yeah. And I forget who I was telling Friday night, but uh, and Pam Jackson, you'll you'll enjoy this. Uh, our sister Lindsay brought two guys, two two visitors Friday night, and. Uh, both of them got saved. And one of them had a flat tire. We had to go to Sap Brothers and change the tire afterwards. And they were both there. 
And I asked him, I said, well, did you pray with us tonight to be saved? And the one with the flat tire said, yeah, I did. And I said, well, maybe, I said, this is why this is happening. You're getting opposition. You're stepping out for the Lord and you're getting opposition. And But anyway, you know, whoever I was talking to, you know, we used to pick up Jacob and Lindsay from wherever they were staying. And it just seemed futile to try to help people where it just, you know, no car, no job, no house, no money. But uh, now she's somewhat established and job and bringing people they are getting saved. And she's, I don't know, it's just... It's just kind of like, I just didn't expect that, you know. It's just, I didn't see that. So, it's not necessarily the strong, the influential, the prominent people, but God can exalt the humble. He can uh, humble the the exalted. But anyway, I don't know if anybody else has any other story, but that's just a recent story, but those type of things happen often in my life from the unexpected places. And, you know, why? I mean, this is this is like 10 years into their... I mean, we've never heard of this Abimelech, Abedmelech. We haven't even heard of this guy. And now he shows up and he, he helps the hero of our story here. God uses him in a mighty way. And for 10 years, uh, he's been... Uh, at least silent in the Bible, and so all of a sudden God picks up this Ethiopian guy, and you know, here you're now a main character in the story of all stories. So it's just it's just really cool. I don't know if anybody thought, yeah, Sherry. Well, when Lauren was in India, there was a situation that I was concerned, and you know, we were really great with praying, and we just my daughter was far away, and there was a need. Finding lots of people praying that God worked through, and it's just amazing. Every time that happens, it enlarges your faith. Uh, you know, well, it does. What God has, yeah. To do. I mean, you know, you don't need to, and it's good to write it down uh, because He does this all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. But we do forget after something. Yeah, we do. Yeah, Pam. I'm probably ever going anywhere. And I don't like to fly, but I have. And I was flying back from California, and um, the weather was inclement. We had to stop over in Colorado. I don't know why you go to Colorado from California to get back to Missouri. But anyway, um, they canceled the flight home, and I'm like, <laughs> I didn't know what to yeah. do. And the guy behind me had two luggage, and I didn't have anything. I was hoping mine was on the next plane. And he said, if you'll stand here in line and watch my luggage, I guess I looked like I was scared to death. He said, I will go put us on the next flight to Kansas City. Huh. And so I stood there. Boy, I guarded his <laughs> And I uh, got home all right. But so just a total stranger. <laughs> oh, yeah. The weather was so bad when we got home. Oh, Emma, huh. Emma had to wait 11 hours oh. at the airport for me because oh, the ice was so bad. He didn't want to go home and yeah. come back again. The ice in Kansas City. That's cool. Wow. But, yeah, That's great. there are those people that just 
step up because I never said anything. I, and he was behind me. Yeah. He must have just seen me shake. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's good. That is good. Huh. Well, good, yeah. You need a plan B when you travel. Yeah, I know Pam, the other Pam and I were trying to help a lady this week and I think I was dealing with, so just on the way to life issues Friday night, I I told my wife, I'm like, you know, none of our folks have a ride. It's like, you know, we've all experienced time. We just kind of want to give up. And, and, and honestly, I mean, these guys can probably hear me if Brian's in there. I get a little intimidated with, I knew Brian wasn't going to be there. He's at volleyball and... And I'm a little bit intimidated to work with like the Doug Carriers of the, so I'm like I don't even want to go. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, so anyway, we went and this guy did great and people get saved and you know it's just very rewarding I guess. And so I'm guessing uh, you know Jeremiah must have felt that way. It's like wow, somebody came to my rescue. I've been laboring for. 20, 30 years at this point. And so anyway, uh, that that's just a neat little story here. All this happened. Uh, would somebody read Hebrews 4.16? I think that's where we find God is a present help in time of trouble. I think that's the 4.16. If somebody would look that up and just read it for us. I don't have it. <laughs> Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time. So, find grace. That's good. So, undoubtedly, our hero, uh, Jeremiah, was praying and he was a righteous man and he was being rewarded uh, wrong, he's been treated wrongfully, and so uh, the Lord, the Lord came through. The Lord helped him, and uh, I kind of. It's funny in my daily reading, uh, just a couple. It was this week I read Acts chapter eight about the Ethiopian eunuch, and so it was. It was neat that a man from Ethiopia was a key player in this chapter because. Uh, the evangelist Philip, the evangelist, uh, wins the Ethiopian eunuch to the Lord in Acts chapter eight, and he travels on to Ethiopia, and undoubtedly took uh, the the gospel with him, and so the gospel gets to Ethiopia, but there were uh, Ethiopians that uh, served the Lord even before that. So anyway. Uh, so Zedekiah is facing some hard choices here in 14 through 23. So in 14 through 16, uh, Jim, if you'll read that uh, 14 through 16, Zedekiah comes and he pulls, uh, he talks to Zedekiah, sec- or he talks to Jeremiah secretly here in 14 through 16. Then Zedekiah the king sent and took Jeremiah the prophet into him into the third entry that is in the house of the Lord. 
And the king said unto Jeremiah, I will ask thee a thing, hide nothing from me. Then Jeremiah said unto Zedekiah, If I declare it unto thee, wilt thou not surely put me to death? And if I give thee counsel, wilt thou not hearken unto me? So Zedekiah the king swore secretly unto Jeremiah, saying, As the Lord liveth, that made us this soul, I will not put thee to death, neither will I give thee into the hand of these men that seek thy life. Okay, so we all uh, heard that, but basically the next couple verses, Jeremiah is going to say basically the same message, surrender to Babylon and live, the city will not be burned, and your house will be safe. But if you fight against Babylon, you're going to die, and the city shall be burned. In verse 17 and 18, the Bible says, Then said Jeremiah unto Zedekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, If thou wilt surely go forth unto the king of Babylon's princes, then thy soul shall live, and this city shall not be burned with fire, and thou shalt live, and thine house. But if thou wilt not go forth to the king of Babylon's princes, then shall this city be given into the hand of the Chaldeans, and they shall burn it with fire, and thou shalt not escape out of their hand. And then... uh, I thought verse 19 was very interesting because it it mentions what Zedekiah's fears were. And uh, who, who wants to read 19 for us? You got it, Sherry. And Zedekiah the king said unto Jeremiah, I am afraid of the Jews that are fallen to the Chaldeans, lest they deliver me into their hand. Now, uh, think about this. This is like year 9 or 10, or uh, no, it's it's just a year or so. Well, they're getting, it's right at the end of the 19-year siege. And so what what, uh, Zedekiah the king is afraid of, he's afraid... That if he goes to captivity, the Jewish people that are already in captivity, they're going to say, he's not our king, you know, Babylonians take him, we're giving him to your hand, and he thinks they're going to mock him. And, you know, I think that's a very real concern of really everyone. None of us like rejection, but especially someone in authority to be mocked and I thought of it when uh, Trump was in office I thought of it when now that Biden's in office there's a lot of people that mock our president our leaders and I'm actually still careful about that no matter who our president is I mean the Bible says not to curse the ruler of our people and uh, so anyway, that that was. I just thought it was interesting that Zedekiah. He says, he, he says, I am afraid of the Jews that are. Fa-. He's afraid. He's in. There's a fear there. He's like, man, I've messed up so much. When I get there, the Jews that are there, if I go into captivity, they're going to mock me. They're going to hand me over to the Babylonians. And so anyway, that that's what I put there in your blank is. Uh, 
the Jews already in Babylon will deliver him to Babylonians and mock him. So the word mock on the back side of your handout, the word mock. Yeah. The same thing. You know, God gives us clear direction like Jeremiah gave Zedekiah clear direction from God. We seek God's will, but we don't follow through with it because we're afraid what are people are going to think uh-huh. about us. Are they going to make fun of us? Are they going to push us away? Yeah. Sometimes we're just too lazy. Uh, we just don't want to. So we ask for God and we see God's will. Uh-huh. We don't follow through with it. And that's exactly what happens here. Yeah, our, our guard's up or... We know, and then we fear. Yeah. <laughs> so there's there's a disconnect, and it it shouldn't be, and yet it is. Yeah. So we we come here each Sunday. We hopefully get a little fuller of courage, of determination, of trust, and um. My my teaching point here. Uh, l- let's all go for a minute, if we will. Second Corinthians. So hold your place here. Let's all go to Second Corinthians, and I want to read through this. Somebody pointed this out to me uh, one time, and I'll communicate it with you today. Second Corinthians five. We still got about twenty minutes here, and verses nine through fifteen, and these these are pretty familiar. Second Corinthians five, verse nine. He says, Therefore we labor that rather present or absent we may be accepted of him. So we all want to be accepted. And then he says, uh, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in this body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And then he says in verse 11, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. And that that terror of the Lord... And I'll, I'll just give an example. In our own, in the company I work for, um, it, it's paid off. When we... Uh, when we had a couple of visitors a month ago to come to do an audit, and one guy's an Italian guy that uh, a month later, so, so just a week ago, he became the CEO of our company. So it was a good thing we kind of catered to this guy. It's like, oh, yeah. this guy's coming. And yeah. honestly, you guys would laugh. This new office area we have... It's less than a year old, so I mean, you can still smell the fresh carpet, and you can still smell kind of the new paint. But there was just a—I mean, they had me and the other guy. We're wiping little smudges off the wall. I did that for a day and a half, just cleaning little. I mean, they wanted the place to look perfect. You know, no lights out, yeah. all new ceiling tile. I mean, it's just. You know, the cleaning company did there, and it was just like fix every little. Because there was a fear, we want this to be presentable to this, and so Paul Paul is saying, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and he says, 
it would be fearful. There would be a terror of the Lord to stand before Him and not be ready or to be uh, have uncleanness in our lives. And he said, he said that fear. It, it makes me persuade men, be ready. Be ready to stand before the Lord because this is going to happen. And so uh, what I put in your teaching point, the two greatest emotions we have are love and fear. You know, love will make you do things you wouldn't ordinarily do, right? If we love someone, we love something, we are going to work toward the end to have or to please that person. And if we fear something, we're, we're going to endeavor to not... Uh, so, so there's the fear, but, but keep going here. Uh, he, they persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences... For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearances and not in heart. For rather we be beside ourselves, it is to God, and or rather we be sober, it is for your cause. And then verse 14 it says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then all are dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto God which died for them and rose again. And so that was verse 14. The love of Christ constraineth us. And uh, Paul was saying, and the person that preached this uh, said this. So it's, it's and, but it clicked with me. He he said, "Have you ever seen a police officer, you know, have somebody lean over the police car and, and they put their arm behind their back? And what he's doing is he is constraining them. It's like, okay, you're not going anywhere. I'm constraining you, and." Paul is saying that that Christ's love constrains. He's that's why he calls himself uh, a, f- a fellow laborer, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. It's like his, God's love constrained him because he knew the fear of the Lord and he knew the love of Christ. You know, he persuaded men and he uh, lived for the Lord. So anyway, th- those are just two great emotions that drive all of us. I don't know if you have any other thoughts to share, but uh, it, it obviously motivated Zedekiah. His fear was so great that he couldn't he couldn't just give up and say, "Okay, I'll go into captivity." He he just fought about it until they poked out his eyes and took him there anyway, and they went ahead and burned the city and all these terrible things. It's funny of all the things he's got to be afraid of. He's afraid of the people, and, and, and you know, like what Pam was saying, making fun of it. Making fun of it. That's why they say that people's number one fear is public speaking, huh. not death. We're more afraid to be made fun of huh. than death. 
Huh. That's kind of what he's feeling. It, that's a good point. He I've heard that. That is a, an amazing. If you take a hundred people and list your greatest yeah. fear, yeah. more of them would say public speaking than they would be afraid of death. <clears throat> I mean, I was. That's why you know, I took classes here a few years ago just to get over. Yeah. That. Uh, it is. So yeah, you you observe kind of a fear of yours and you work through it. That's good. Huh. And I open myself up to, to being mocked in a constructive way. You know, yeah. In my class, I'd have to give speeches. I think we've all taken public speaking classes. But, and then they critique you. So. What was the name of that? Uh, Toastmasters. Toastmasters. Yeah. Are you still doing it? No. no. You can tell I don't do it no more. <laughs> you can't get an award. Yeah, I, yeah, I did it for a couple of years. And that really helped me a lot. Too. So even was it just people from your company or different companies? Yeah, sometimes a visitor would come in, but it was sponsored by our company. Huh. So I, I signed up for it. And so did you pick a topic that you had to talk about yeah. for five minutes? Or? Yeah, I did different topics. My best one was beekeeping. I did a little, I mean, you could pick anything you wanted, but you just had to have a format of a subject, you know, what you're teaching, and just kind of go through a thing. Huh. It's like doing a devotion, really. It's just like teaching in here. Kind of. So it was really good training, huh. secular training. I learned in Egypt that I use. <laughs> huh. Well, that's good, yeah. Yeah, no one would think today that you're fearful to be in front of people, but... Yeah, I think it's funny how he was, more afraid of the people. Huh. I've been here long enough to find out a lot of people don't know the difference between a testimony and a devotion. Hmm. <laughs> huh. yeah. They get mixed up together. Huh. And, uh, yeah. I give a testimony when I give a devotion. Hmm. Well, it seemed like you inevitably tie in things about yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I do. I can't personalize it. No one else is. Yeah. To. Yeah. So that that's not wrong. Be real. Yeah. But yeah, when they when they're asked to give a testimony. Testimonies, they give a devotion. Huh. When they ask to give a devotion, they give yeah. huh. mm-hmm. a devotion. You put like snippets in, in how it applies to that those verses. Yeah. But, but in a testimony, it's more like raw and you put verses in with your life. So yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so it's not necessarily wrong. Yeah. Well, let's go back and let's finish Jeremiah thirty-eight here. And uh, so the word fear went in your blank on your teaching point. And then the last Roman numeral four is uh, this is kind of Zedekiah's final counseling appointment with Jeremiah. And uh, can somebody read 24 through 28? We'll just finish this out. Do it, Jim. Oh, I'm sorry, yes. 24 through 28? Yeah. Then said Zedekiah unto Jeremiah, Let no man know of these words, and thou shalt not die. But if the princes hear that I have talked with thee, and they come unto thee, and say unto thee, Declare unto us now what thou hast said unto the king, hide it not from us, and we will not put thee to death, and also what the king said unto thee. Then thou shalt say unto them, I presented my supplication before the king that he would not cause me to return to Jonathan's house and die there. All the way to the end. Yeah. Yeah. 
Then came all the princes under Jeroboam and asked him. And he told them according to all the words that the king had commanded. So they left off speaking with him, for the matter was not perceived. But Jeremiah abode in the court of the prison until the day that Jerusalem was taken. And he was there when Jerusalem was taken. All right, so in verse 24 there, he says, you know, don't let anybody know that I was, that I'm afraid of the Babylonian, the, the Jews in captivity. So he don't want anybody to know what Jeremiah is. So I put, uh, this is actually in our, in our, uh, I think we say small group norms. In a, uh, this thing about being confidential I mean, this is kind of a one-on-one secret uh, counseling session that Jeremiah has with Jeremiah. And uh, I actually had lunch with Pastor Brian this week, and he went over some of our church's policies. And uh, this this is actually in our church policy as pastors, and he rehearsed that with me. And... Uh, I think all of us would say, yeah, I agree with that, but it's hard to do that sometimes. And and Brian said, you know, Steve, I've been in places where he really had to bite his lip because he knew what was being said was wrong, but he couldn't betray that person's confidentiality. And I I expressed times to him that I have uh, messed up on this. And so I think that's something maybe all of us can work on. And uh, Pam, I know, I know in, in counseling that that's kind of driven into your DNA, isn't it? To be confidential with people, uh, clients that you counsel. And Pat, you've done the same thing. And so, anyway, uh, I, what I what I thought was cool is Zedekiah kind of gives him a, an out here. Look, look at at verse. Uh, 25 Zedekiah he says but if the princes hear that I've talked with thee and they come unto thee and say unto thee declare unto us now what thou hast said unto the king hide it not from us and we will not put thee to death also what the king said unto thee and, and Zedekiah tells him what to tell him then shalt thou say unto them I presented my supplications before the king that he would not cause me to return to Jonathan's house to die there. He said, just tell, you know, if they ask you, just, just tell them. You, you asked me not to send you back to the dungeon so you wouldn't die. And, and that, wasn't, that wasn't a lie, was it? Not entirely. It, it, so it was kind of a partially, it wasn't the whole matter, but it, it satisfied the princes because they did come and they did ask, and Jeremiah was able to tell them that. And so uh, they put him at the end of that verse. Uh, the matter was not perceived, and the, he was allowed to stay in the verse 28. So Jeremiah abode in the court of the prison until the day that Jerusalem was taken, and he was there when Jerusalem was taken. So that'd be pretty wild, wouldn't it? You, you might hear the the walls falling in, and you're you're kind of stuck in the prison of the court, and. And he, he couldn't run or he couldn't fight. He was just there. But he was there till the city was taken. Uh, so, so we can leave our place here. Let's all go to Colossians. And we'll end here in Colossians.
because uh, I think all of us need this here in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 5 and 6. I thought this was just uh, good. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, chapter 4. And uh, I'll, I'll read these here and then we'll, we'll close. Verses 5 and 6. It says, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, uh, especially with the lost, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how to ye ought to answer every man and so what I had you put in your blank is the word wisdom wisdom is needed in communication and uh, so we need wisdom to say what will satisfy you know sometimes we do need to give full disclosure sometimes um so anyway, our, our speech needs to be seasoned with salt. We need to be wise, especially with them that are without, so that we can redeem the time. And uh, Anyway, I, I think we all just need to uh, redeem the time that we have. We know time is short. We need wisdom to be able to communicate. And so uh, keep going for the Lord. Hopefully this is re- refreshing to you. We have examples of, of godly men and women uh, like Jeremiah that uh, is willing to tell him tell the truth regardless of the... Con- I mean, if, if we knew we were going to be put to death or thrown in a dungeon... And uh, I mean, I think God would give us the grace to speak that truth. Uh, but anyway, is there any other thoughts here before we dismiss today? I'm thinking of a um, situation. Uh, I think it's okay to say. Um, one time I had to I had uh, to present to court about uh, a client that uh, had, had disclosed a murder and a burial of a body on his property and uh, they uh, the, my attorney the one thing he said to me is I can only ask you direct, specific questions because it, none of it can involve your uh, thoughts or uh, ongoing thoughts or assumptions or anything. It had to has to be black, like every word has to be black. Huh. It can't be gray. And he said, "And your job is going to be if I ask a question and you really need to tell the court." A piece of something that could go with it, but I haven't asked you. You got to figure out how to say that huh. or not say. Uh-huh. So, huh. you know, example: if he were to ask, "Do you know? I mean, did, did you do you have evidence that he did murder hmm. her?" <clears throat> it could not. None of it could be third party. But how I could hmm. have answered it was. Hmm. Um, 
uh, when he gave me the specific details about burying the body, hmm. I uh, um, that's what I documented on paper. So I didn't say, well, he told me he did it and told me he buried him. What I had to do is say, anyway, so that's what's coming to my mind. Is uh. You have to know the pieces that need to be said and the pieces that need to be said. Yeah. Um, you, to, you just don't have the right to say. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty heavy stuff there. Yeah. But somehow, and that that's a good attorney is to mm. be able to explain the difference in mm. disclosure because mm. you put the pieces together. Mm. You know, you can't put the pieces together right. to be black. Yeah. There's no gray. Huh. Or they just, I mean, everything is thrown out. Yeah. Huh. So anyway, that's just a... No, that's good. I don't know why my mind said yeah, that. Yeah, but that's good. That's good. Huh. What would you say you have to be just very direct, just not like I he told me. You have, to, be you have to have a yes or no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And huh. if they don't ask you, you really are not supposed to answer. Yeah. I guess that's a way to put it. Yeah. yeah. You just have to be Yeah. You can't answer. Well, hope, hopefully we're all growing in this area, and I, I know I'm learning, and... Uh, hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Good. yeah yep alright well enough said but yeah I mean even even Jeremiah's situation was very what, what what's being said I mean this is the outcome of God's people this is yeah so Proverbs speaks much on discernment you know we all have wisdom and understanding but having discernment when to use it and how to mm. use it I was thinking that with confidentiality. Sometimes we know things, yeah, uh, but that's not what was asked of us. Right, right. And if we just answer right. the question, that that's getting at the core of what I've struggled with. Yeah. Just knowing. Okay, I know. I know what the backstory, but I can't. You can't say all. And sometimes I've gotten victory over that, and sometimes not always. So. That's not easy. But uh, yeah. Sure. Right. So yeah. And I can say, you know, that kind of helps me even with my family, uh -huh. uh, with sisters and relatives. There are sure. That you need to hold your tongue and be a yeah. maker. Yeah. You may know something that it may not benefit them, but it's mm -hmm. wise. Mm -hmm. That's very well said. That's very well said. And then later you might say, oh wow, I'm glad I didn't say that. Because yes. natural consequences. Yeah. Oh yes, yes. Because I've had yeah. involved in my family. Huh. From a big family. So it's, yeah. Well, let's pray for one another with that. I mean, uh, all of us in here deal with folks. And I know, Jim, you had a legal deal where it went through HR and people were fired. And yeah, fired. you're in the middle of all that. And you had to testify on some level. And, yeah. and, uh, Discernment. Yeah. So we, we don't, you know, the, the Bible says that the cross is offensive by itself so we we don't need to be offensive our, ourselves i mean but when we tell the gospel it's offensive like oh you're saying i'm a sinner i'm going to hell without christ well god said that <laughs> and i'm telling you what god said right so 
anyway, uh, well, let, let's pray, and uh, that's a good good word to close on here today. Uh, Father in heaven, we bow before you. We uh, cast our care upon you. We know you care for us. And Lord, uh, we, we are motivated by love and fear, and we talked about that today, and we just kind of closed with confidentiality and being wise in our communication, and Lord, whether it be spoken or even in text or email or voicemail, and Lord, uh, we all are get in the flesh and carnality easily, and, and Lord, there's just a lot at stake dealing with people's lives and uh, futures and even eternities. So, Lord, uh, dismiss us with your blessing. Give us that uh, grace we need that's seasoned with salt, and uh, especially toward them that are without. Help us to be bold and walk through open doors and uh, not not kick in those doors like Mark was saying yesterday. And so, Father, I, I pray for... Uh, there's not many of us here, but I, I lift up Jim and Sherry to you. Lift up uh, Pat and Pam Jackson and and uh, Pam Anderson and and for Chuck. I know Chuck hasn't said much, but he's got situations that he needs to guard his lips as well. And so, Lord, we just um, as the foundation class, we just come before your throne and ask you to help us, help those online that are listening and watching that uh, they might be wise in their communication as well. So dismiss us now. Bless the uh, preaching of your word in the next service. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.